Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor David Lindell, Executive Ministry Pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Over the next few moments, we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. And so if you've got the James River app, you can pull up the notes or you can download it right now on your phone. Or you can just grab your Bible and go to Luke 2. You can also find it on your phone as well. But uh, it's so good to be together. And as we prepare for Christmas tomorrow, I'm thinking a lot about gifts. And I'm thinking about the giving of gifts. You know, Becky and I have been wrapping presents and just getting ready for the festivities that accompany tomorrow. And I'm watching her wrap all these presents. And as I'm watching her, I'm thinking, you know what? The way somebody gives a gift says a lot about that person. Have you ever noticed that? Like Becky agonizes over the gifts. Like we were in Target on, um, on Thursday night and she was like, hey, I, I'm not going to say what it was. She was like, hey, because my kids are watching. I, I, I think I'm going to buy this. And I was like, oh, didn't you already buy something? Because I'm the budget guy. And she was like, um, she's like, yeah, but I might want to give this instead because I think it goes better with this other thing and I'll take that other thing back. And I was like, huh. Okay, and I'm thinking, I'm going to remember to take that back, and she's thinking, what's the best gift? Why? Because she just loves giving gifts, and she puts so much thought into it. It's amazing. It says so much about who she is as a person. It's part of the reason I love her so much. And you know, as you come to Luke 2, you're reading the story of God giving humanity the gift of a Savior named Jesus. But in the gift of the Savior, we learn about a lot about our Heavenly Father. In fact, as we look at Luke 2 today, I'm going to share with you from a message called the message, the message called the message, the message of Christmas, because we get some truths about God's character and nature in this passage. And the first truth is this, that God's timing is perfect. In fact, when you go to Luke 2, it starts with the issue of time. Look at this in verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth to Galilee. He took with him Mary, whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. I want you to notice something about those verses. Their book ended by time. Luke is time stamping the passage in a couple of ways. One, he's telling us what was going on in the world of that time. And he's also showing us how God coordinated what was happening in the world with the arrival of his son, Jesus, because God's timing is perfect. It's why the apostle Paul says, writing in the New Testament in Galatians chapter four and verse four, these words, but when the right time came, God sent his son. Maybe you don't realize just how right the timing of what, of Jesus arrival was. It was right in a number of ways. It was the right time politically. 
The Romans ruling the world had put in place a network of roads unlike anything in human history that would facilitate the spread of the gospel. It was the right time politically. It was also the right time culturally because though the Romans had won the day militarily, the Greeks had won culturally, which meant that the common language of the day spanning cultures was Koine Greek. So what would happen is when the gospel would go forth years in the future, it would have a common language to be carried with. The spread of the gospel would happen like wildfire because it was culturally the right time. It was also spiritually the right time, though, because the old religions of Greek mythology and Roman mythology had had really fallen apart in the minds of people. They had become disenchanted, and they were looking for something real and concrete. It was the right time for the hunger of people spiritually. But it was also, and perhaps most importantly, it was the right time prophetically. There are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming of Jesus. One of them you find from the prophet Micah In that prophecy, 740 years before the coming of a Savior, before Jesus' birth, Micah prophesied, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the exact town the Messiah would be born in. That's like somebody from the 1300s prophesying or telling us the next hometown of the future president of the United States. I mean, that's crazy. But this is God prophesying the timing of Jesus' birth. Look at this in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are of the distant past or in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. He's telling us the exact time and place where Jesus would be born. And Luke includes all of this historical background in detail because he is driving home the point that God's timing is perfect. It was the right time for a Savior. It was the right time for the world to receive a Savior. But it's also the right time for you. You know what? There are some of you who have come in and you hear the Christmas story, you're hearing it again this morning, and yet it's always seemed a little bit disconnected from you. Can I tell you, it has everything to do with you, and the reason you're in this service is not an accident. You're here on purpose for a purpose, because it's the right time for you to hear about God's love for you, to hear about God sending a Savior, because he's always right on time. It's the right time for God to reveal himself to you. This is the next truth we see in the text. God's desire is to reveal himself to people. Look at this in verse 8. This is so powerful. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, the Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth to those with whom he is pleased. 
God loves to, he desires to, he wants to reveal himself to people. And there are a couple of things about this setting I want you to notice. That these shepherds on this hillside have angels show up in the middle of the night. It's dark outside. Not only is it dark outside, but it may go without saying, they're at work. So it's the middle of the night, and they're doing their job because angels, or angels, angels work all the time too. Shepherds in the first century work seven days a week and like 24 hours a day. They never got a day off. So this is just another day at the office for the shepherds. And they're out there in the middle of the night, and the last thing they're expecting is for the heavens to explode with an army of angels announcing the coming of a Messiah. But can I tell you, that's often the way God reveals himself to people. He reveals himself when they least expect it. Somebody might have invited you today at Joplin. Somebody might have sent you the link to watch online. You might be sitting with a friend from work or the family that you came to visit said, hey, we're going to church. It's Christmas Eve. And you came and all you were expecting was another church service. Can I tell you, that's not what God has in store for today. That God didn't just want you to come to church. God wanted to reveal himself to you. God had wanted, wanted to show up on the scene of your life on this uh, December Sunday morning. I'm already in January. December 24th, show you his power, show you his glory. And if he's going to reveal himself to you, what is he going to reveal? He's going to reveal the same thing that the angels announced to the shepherds. What is that? That a savior was born. He's going to reveal the saving power of God available to you. You know what? And in revealing his saving power, what, what's encompassed in that saving power? Because sometimes we talk about God saving people, yet if you don't know what that means, it can ring hollow. You know what? The angels say that God had sent a savior, but he says, I bring you good news of great joy. That when God saves people, he's introducing a joy into their life that they can't know any other way. He says, joy available to all people. It says, they appear the glory of God shown around the shepherds. In other words, it's not just joy. It's also the tangible presence of God encompassing people. Maybe you've wondered, what does it feel like when God shows up in your life? And as you've walked into this place today, you sense something different in here. You sense something different at the North Campus or at the West Campus. That's the presence of God. He's speaking to you through his nearness to you. And that can be part of every day of your life. It's not just his glory. It's not just his joy. It's also his peace. That you can have peace. And I will tell you this, until God's saving power comes home to your heart, you will never know true and lasting peace. There's some of you, and you can vouch for that because you've come in today, and inside everything is chaotic, even though on the outside everything looks fine. Because you've struggled, you've grappled with, it's been a relationship, it's been a substance, it's been a pursuit, it's been a career that through which you've tried to get peace, and yet everything always comes up short. Because the only true and lasting peace with God and in your soul is found in Jesus. That's the only place it's found. 
He's the Savior who brings peace. He's the Savior who brings the presence of God. He's the Savior who brings joy into your life, unspeakable and full of glory. He's that Savior. And God sent Jesus because he wants to reveal himself to you. He wants you to experience his joy and his peace and his glory and his power. But he also wants you to know this, that he has a plan for your life. He wants you to experience his plan and his purpose. Do you know that you were created on purpose for a purpose? Look at this. This is the third truth, that God's plan is for you. I love this. Go back to Luke chapter 2. This is so powerful. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel told them. I don't know if you caught this or not, but the first people to hear about the birth of Jesus on that first Christmas were the shepherds. That might not seem really crazy to you, but it would have seemed crazy to the first hearers of this story because in the first century, shepherds were the lowest of the low. There was no rung on the ladder lower. They were considered unclean physically because they're like always hanging out with the sheep but also unclean spiritually, which separated them from the community. And yet God comes to them. We would think, you know, if God's going to announce the arrival of God, very God in human form, if he's going to announce the arrival of a savior, the creator of heaven and earth on the scene of human history, he's going to go to Caesar. He's going to go to the influential. He's going to go to the credible. But no, God comes to the ones that are overlooked, the ones that feel unseen, the ones who see themselves on the fringe, feel like nobody loves, nobody cares, nobody knows. God sends these angels to the shepherds. Why? Because Jesus comes for everyone. He doesn't just come for a certain kind of people. He doesn't come for the people who have seemed to have it all together. He comes for everyone because he's got a plan for everyone. His plan includes you and he has a plan for your life. You know what? The shepherds, as insignificant as society deemed them to be, hold a powerful lesson for us because even those in this room, even those across the world who the world would deem as significant, the world would deem as, you know what, these people are movers and shakers. Even those people struggle with their own personal significance. Because until you know how significant you are to God, 
you will never know a peace that allows you to put aside the chase for every other kind of significance. God shows up on this hillside to these shepherds to tell humanity, no matter where you are, no matter what your story is, no matter what your background is, I see you, I love you, I care about you, I have a plan for you, I'm coming into your world to do wonderful and amazing things that you couldn't begin to imagine. God loves you. No matter what campus you're at today, no matter where you're watching online, God sees you, God knows everything about you, and he loves you. And if you will look to him, he will set a plan in motion in your life than is better than anything you could ever dream. Why? Because on that first Christmas, God sent a Savior, and in sending the Savior, he was telling us something about himself, that his timing is perfect, that he wants to reveal himself to people, and that he has a plan for your life. I don't know what you came in thinking about God. I don't know if you came in thinking he was out to get you, or he wouldn't want you, or that when you walked in this building, it was going to cave in because of your past and your present. But you need to know that what we learn on the first Christmas is that God loves people, sees people, and today, today, he is ready to reveal himself to you.